0: Christmas! I'm so excited
1: you're all here. The building is not on fire. It's Christmas magic. <laughs> it's so good to see everybody. If this is your first time here, welcome to Grace Point Church. I'm Chachi, the Worship Arts Director. Can we give a hand for all of you being here on time? It's only 4.07. <laughs> Merry early Christmas. I've been counting down the days to this moment, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's keep praise and worshiping together. I will be so surprised if you do not know this song and I will be so sad if you do not sing it out loud with me. Even the kids should know it. I've sung this the last couple of Sundays. And it's such a joy to share it with you, especially on a day like this.
0: Let's sing this out together. Oh, come, let us. Serve. The that you deliver will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would come a on with his head? The angels her when you kiss your little baby. You kiss a face so oh, bright, oh, Mary, did you know? Every day, you know that your baby boy would one day roll the nation. Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect love, Sleeping child, your home.
1: we thank you. We thank you with the depth of gratitude that we can give as we stand here in these moments. I just pray time slows down as we remember why and we find solace in the birth of your son this evening. We love you and we praise you.
2: Good stuff, huh? Have a seat, everybody. You know, I see people uh, crowding in the back. There's always room in the front row. That's just the way it is. You, it's a little harder to sneak out when things get a little kooky, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So Merry Christmas Eve from Grace Point Church. Uh, we have some people that were blessed to uh, join us uh, from all over. And, uh, but it really is special to gather together in this auditorium. So again, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas Eve. I want to say also that we also have uh, a service tomorrow morning. Um, if uh, you'd, you'd like to come back, but uh, you have some good options tomorrow morning. A great option is to stay home. Let's just be honest, okay? And so, and uh, so. But those of you that want to come on out, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, have have something special there a- as well. But tonight really is a special night. And we're going to be focusing in on uh, what makes Christmas Eve so special. This really is a special season. And one of the uh, reasons why so many look forward to this Christmas season, so many enjoy this Christmas season, is the gift giving. And again, it's it's fun that we don't have a kids ministry tonight. All the kids are in here, and we're so glad that we're getting together young and old. And kids would all agree that... uh, getting gifts at Christmas is a good idea, right? And so what I'm going to be talking about tonight for kids and adults are the two types of gifts that we all experience. And, and kids, this is uh, true for you as well. There are gifts we want and there are gifts we need. And some gifts are both we want and need, some gifts we don't really want, but we certainly need, and, and some, literally, gifts are neither. And those are bad gifts. So we're going to talk about some, some gifts uh, tonight, actually, uh, how, to, how to give better gifts. Um, as I was putting together this, uh, this evening's message, uh, I was doing some research, and I came across a marketing firm from San Francisco, and uh, they put together some marketing results uh, from last October. And so again, right before most people would start buying gifts for uh, family and friends, um, they put out this, this, this article, and the subtitle of this article uh, is uh, some holiday gifts are more appreciated than others. Well, I think that really is true. And so they surveyed, thousands of consumers, uh, 18 years and up for this marketing research back in October, a couple months ago. And uh, before most people began to do their shopping, over 2,000 adults in the United States, over 2,000 adults in the UK, over 1,000 adults in Spain, and over 1,000 adults in Germany. And so they asked several questions. I thought this was pretty interesting. And uh, and the first question is, what are some of the gifts that are not wanted. What are some gifts that you don't want to receive? Okay. You might have your answers. What are the top answers from the thousands of people from four different countries? Here's the first one. Defective gifts. I thought, okay. Okay. We all know that. You didn't need to come to church to hear that. I didn't need, you know, uh, when you get a gift and it's broken, don't rewrap it and don't re-give it, right? And if you open up a gift and it's defective, because that means it doesn't work, that's a bad gift, okay? And so again, uh, don't, don't do that. Here's the second one on the international list, fruitcake. And I thought about that. You know, I didn't even know fruitcake existed still, but then I thought, since they never evaporate, they never depreciate, they last forever. You know, you get it, you maybe chew it, then you rewrap it, and it's the gift that keeps on giving, right? So fruitcake, bad gift. So says this, uh, this, this marketing research. I love this. the third one? Third on the list, gifts that people don't want are gifts related to weight loss. And so what you don't want to do is give someone a scale so they can weigh themselves. Bad idea. Some of you, you're getting nervous right about now. And then don't give gym memberships. Bad idea. So says research. And uh, the last, and then we'll move on. The fourth on this list was Christmas-themed ties. You learn things when you come to church. right? I thought that was a pretty good deal, but I guess not. Because right when you get it, you got to go ahead and pack it away. Because Christmas is almost over. So no Christmas-themed uh, ties. And then, uh, again... Most of the people agree, 80% said that my greatest mistake was uh, last-minute purchasing. So anything that you buy last-minute tends to be one of those things that people just might not want. And then it's interesting that 80% of the people surveyed the 2,000 in our country, 80% of Americans believe they have mastered the art of the fake smile. So when you get a gift you don't want... You kind of have the fake smile going. Actually, when I learned, uh, when I read this, I, thought I Googled fake smiles. And so th- these are some fake smiles. And Again, you have them, young and old. Uh, I want you to pretend that you got some fruit cake recently, okay? I'd like to turn to someone and show someone your fake smile. You're, you're kind of faking and You're all pretty good at it, yeah? And uh, so fake smiles. You don't want to give a gift that would force someone to do a fake smile. Also, 80, I lost you, didn't I? OK, come back, quit smiling, OK? 80% of the people also said that they've learned to fake enthusiasm. And so, again, this is a survey, 18-year-olds and up. So not only do you fake smiling, you, you kind of fake showing how you're feeling. And you can fake enthusiasm. And let's all agree, that is a learned skill. Uh, who's better at faking enthusiasm? Those that are older or younger? Older for sure. You've got to master it, and it takes... Several years to do that. And as I was putting this together, um, uh, I, I came across a video, a YouTube, of how kids don't do too well enthusiasm. And so there was a talk show host. And uh, this was, again, a couple of months before Christmas. And they uh, shouted out to all of the, the, the adults that were tuning in. and says, here's what we want you to do, parents. We want you to go ahead and tell your kids um, they can have one early Christmas gift a couple months early. But wrap something you know they don't want and then video their response, and then send it back so we can show the world. And so, again, uh, I thought this was interesting. So adults uh, do a little bit better faking enthusiasm. Uh, take a look.
0: What is Charlie? I don't like this. Oh. What
2: is it? An old banana. An old banana. Isn't that exciting? Um, no. What are you doing?
0: <laughs>
2: <neck>? oh, okay. <laughs> wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong?
0: No onion.
2: Did you smell your onion? Yeah. Here, smell it.
0: Oh, I smell it. And, um, Open it. A hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I got a girl activity book with stickers. I'm not a girl. Me, I'm not a boy. I'm not a boy the worst person I've ever. Been. What is this?
1: <laughs> Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? You love my cooking, so I made you something.
0: Uh, no, or buffalo wings, something
1: like that, not just a sandwich, why would you eat off of it? Well, Larissa, so you don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich?
0: About your I cousins? got ponies. I don't want ponies. They're, they're for girls. Guys, we, mine is a stupid book.
1: We thought really hard about what to
2: get you this year.
0: Well, you didn't do a very good job.
2: Kids are bad at faking enthusiasm, right? And so again, so kids and adults, two types of gifts at Christmas, those we want and and those we need. And actually, let me give a shout out to those that are part of Grace Point Church. Um, We offered a challenge because our missionary down in Tijuana, uh, a couple months ago, they asked us to go ahead and put together some shoe shoeboxes um, and, and put some gifts that kids want and some gifts that kids need in shoeboxes. And then they needed 500 to go ahead and bless the neighborhoods that uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're ministering alongside. And uh, Grace Point Church put together over 800 of, of these boxes. And so again... Uh, Every year we do this and most of the time they're all still here but they want to do something earlier and so they're all gone. And uh, these are some of the the pictures of what uh, what happened literally this past week. And so you have some people with all your boxes and some kids receiving it. And actually, Elmo Compton, our missionary down there this morning, said, Bob, uh, we were able to give over 600 uh, of these boxes to the kids in our various ministries and neighborhoods. And then we had 200 left over. So today they went to some hospitals. And they were able to go ahead and take 200 of these boxes and bless kids uh, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, the inability to be home with their family. So again, well done, church. So there's a lot of reasons to celebrate Christmas. There's a lot of ways we think Christmas is special. And then gift receiving and gift giving is something that we all enjoy and and are part of if we don't give fruitcake, yeah? And uh, so uh, at Grace Point Church, related to gift receiving and gift giving, let's talk about God's greatest gift. Because literally, Christmas morning is not the calendar morning of when Jesus was born, but it is the morning that we celebrate his birthday. And so what I want to do is relive with you, retell with you, one of the two Christmas stories found in the Gospels. And what I want to do, let's hone in on three gifts that were given to Jesus, and then let's take a look at them. Were they gifts that were wanted or gifts that were needed or both? So let's take a look at uh, one of the two Christmas stories. There are two Christmas stories in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Jesus stories in the Bible. Matthew and Luke are the ones that include the Jesus Christmas story. And so Matthew 2 and Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 comes first. Luke 2 uh, gives you the story of what led up to Jesus's birth. And then we find Jesus being born in a manger, literally outside of a hotel or a gathering place in a cold, smelly manger. And so that's Luke chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 takes place Place a couple of years later. So Jesus is no longer in a cold, smelly manger. He's in a warmer, cleaner condo in Matthew chapter 2. And that is when these magi or these wise men from the east, east of the Jordan, east of 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 of, of, of really the people that were well acquainted with Israel at that time. God led some magi, some travelers from the east, hundreds of miles to find this new Jesus who would be born king. So what I want to do is I want to hone in on these uh, magi, these travelers, and let's focus in on these three gifts. And it's interesting, we three kings of Orient are, well, they didn't come from the Orient. They weren't kings, and there's probably more than three, okay? Because you don't want to take these gifts and just three because you'd get mugged along the way. People think that there might be three because there were just three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we're going to take a look at these uh, gifts. Why were they given? And uh, where they wanted and or needed. So let's go ahead and jump right on just for a few moments. Let's focus in on just one of the amazing stories of Christmas. And let's take a look at the gift receiving and gift giving that God prompted. So Matthew chapter 2, starting at 1 and 2, says, Now after Jesus was born. So again, uh, the... The magi, the, the, the eastern travelers, never met the shepherds, okay? The shepherds are in Luke chapter 2. They were there when Jesus was born. The shepherds now are long gone. And now these guys show up most likely when Jesus is about two or three. So, no longer in a smelling manger, now they're renting a condo still in Bethlehem. So, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, some wise men, some of your translations call them Magi, that's a Greek word for the same word, uh, from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. When it rose and have come to worship him. So they were way from the east. They were stargazers. And literally they were also God seekers. We'll talk about that in a minute. But God laid it on their heart. To come find this new king. And God used a star. Because they were stargazers. God always speaks into the language. And culture of the people. To get our attention. And so it just makes sense. That if you're looking at stars. I'll give you a star to follow. And so this star led them to uh, the, the approach. Approximate area of Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Now, if you've been to both or or, or one of them, uh, you, you will remember they're just like two miles apart. They're very close. So these wise men, they're following this star and they get to the general region. And then the star stops and, you know, God leads them to where God wants them to be. And then, of course, you'd go to the capital city of Jerusalem. You wouldn't go to the smaller Uh, less, uh, uh, you know, prominent town of of Bethlehem. So the star's kind of up there. They go to Jerusalem and they start asking around, where's the new king? Where's the new king of the Jews? We have seen his star. We follow the star. We're seeking God's direction and we're here to go ahead and worship. We're here to welcome him. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. So it's interesting that... Uh, they went to the place they thought a king would be born, but God said, no, we're going to go ahead and have Jesus be born a couple miles away in a smaller town in Bethlehem. So let's go ahead and kind of keep going in the story here. Take a look at Matthew 2, verse 11. So, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. So let me go ahead and kind of give a few more details with this. So they go to Jerusalem. They ask around. King Herod gets nervous. He's an insecure king. He doesn't want any other kings growing up. Anywhere close to where he is trying to rule as king. And so he tells these magi, you know what? Uh, I'd like to worship him too, but uh, he's not in Jerusalem. So this King Herod has some advisors. They pull together and they find Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah was written about 750 BC before Jesus was born. And uh, they, 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 they read prophetically, that this new king, this Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem. And so uh, they don't know when, but now Herod's putting the pieces together. Going to be born in Bethlehem. They're coming. They're saying he's been born. So what Herod says is, hey, guys, I want you to go find this new king and then come back to me after you give him your gifts. Come back to me and then let me go ahead and give, uh, give him my gifts too. And so that's what's going on here. So now, no longer they're in a manger. So now they're in this, uh, th- th- this uh, 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 more of a, of a, of a um, permanent place. Matter of fact, I love this picture. Take a look at this picture, and uh, I love this picture for a couple reasons. This is not your typical nativity scene, but you have uh, Mary and and toddler Jesus. And then you have this wise man underneath the arches holding his chin, yeah? And I think this is a helpful picture because I bet you he was curious, how are these gifts going to be received? Are they wanted? Are they needed? Because again, God led them to give these three very unique gifts. They would not have come up with these gifts on their own. This is not a a set of gifts you would bring to a baby shower, in a sense, okay? And so gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so they're giving these gifts to this new king, and uh, they're wondering how it will be received. Let me go ahead and pull us out of this Christmas story just for a second and give you a spiritual truth. God gives wisdom to those who have ears to hear. God gives wisdom to those who ask him for wisdom. And so God puts a star in the sky for stargazers to follow to find this new king. Because God said a new king would be born. And it was God who prompted them to give these three unique gifts that they would never have come up with on themselves. And they were hoping that they would be wanted or needed. Let me give you a few verses to encourage you as you wrap up this year and move into 2023. It's the same for us. Old Testament and New Testament. God says, call to me and I will answer you like they did. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Don't try to just wing it on your own. And God gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. So again, when God has challenges that he has allowed into your life. Now God doesn't create challenges. Uh, he allows challenges. Um, this is a broken world. But many times you're in a situation where you need discernment. Be like the wise men. And uh, not just try to wing your way, but seek God's way. And God promises to guide you as God guided them. But the way he's going to guide you is going to stretch you. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 55. Uh, these, these magi, are you sure? These seem kind of strange gifts. I've never had gifts like this given to a child. And so I just hope we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and get this right. And uh, Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Some of you, you've lived this verse uh, this past year. My thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So again, not only did the Magi uh, take a step of faith to say, we're going to follow your promptings, we're going to give these strange gifts to this new king, and we are just hoping we got it right. Same time is, uh, it's a good bet that Mary and Joseph were not waiting and praying and hoping, wanting for gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I just can't imagine Joseph in their condo. Uh, hey, uh, Mary, uh, Jesus' next birthday is coming up. And how about we pray for some gold? How about we pray for some frankincense to kind of smell up the room for Jesus? How about if we ask for some myrrh? And we'll talk about that. The myrrh was not given for someone that is to be born. Myrrh was given for someone that is to die. So my guess is just as stretching the Magi were when they were giving, it was stretching for Mary and Joseph for the receiving. So let's take a look at these, these, these three gifts. And, uh, and let's take a look at gifts... Where they wanted and or needed. Here's the first one. See, God knew this more than the magi knew this. But this is the one of the three that would make most sense because they knew that a king was born. I don't want you to not miss something in the in Matthew two. It doesn't say one who will become king at a later time, but literally they knew that he was born. King. There was already this, this coronation upon Jesus at the incarnation when God became man. And so, you know, again, in our world, I don't think of any other time when someone was born a king or born a queen. Usually they're born a prince or princess, and then after a while when someone retires, then they go ahead and take the position. See, Jesus didn't have to wait for anyone else to retire. He was on God's timetable. He came as king, and it would make sense, okay, a gift fit for a king would be the precious mineral Gold. Again, this is one of the reasons why I think that there were more than three magi, because gold would be really heavy, and gold would be easily stolen if you just had three guys on camels going hundreds of miles. My guess is they had a pretty good entourage. We don't know how much gold, but we do know that there was enough for a very special reason. I'll get to that in just a little bit. So again, gold, a gift fit for a king. What is frankincense? Frankincense literally comes from... East Africa and India, it comes from a special tree. It's kind of a tree sap. And you take frankincense and you put heat under it. And basically, it arouses an aroma that goes up. And you see some of the smoke go up. And I'm not sure, we cannot be sure, how much of the symbolism the Magi understood, they could have just followed the promptings of God. God said, give them these three, trust me. But see, frankincense was one who is to be a priest. See, again, some of you have been in auditoriums or or churches uh, or places where they light candles. and, 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 And the smoke goes up, symbolizing that prayers go up. And so again, the frankincense is a symbol for a priest to go before the people, to draw people closer to God and to intercede for them. And something that is very helpful but might be missed if we're not careful is that nowhere in history do you have people being a king and a priest. You have kings over here and priests way over here. Matter of fact, in the Bible, when people cross, they get in trouble. So Jesus being a king and a priest, that would not have made any sense culturally to these magi. But God knew that Jesus was coming as king with the authority that that he's going to have and the ministry of being a priest. Matter of fact, let me give you one great verse here. Look at Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 related to Jesus's ministry as a priest for you and I. He is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede for you and I with God on their behalf. So again, these Stargazers, these God seekers, wanted to be in on God's story. God shines light. God gives insight and says, go and meet this new king and bring these three gifts. Trust me. They might not understand it. You might not understand it. But I am revealing my story to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. So here's another one. Lastly was myrrh. I could imagine them saying, are you sure with the myrrh? I've been waiting all night to say that, okay? And so because myrrh, hear me, was not given to a baby. Myrrh had a very specific use uh, that basically was used when people die. Matter of fact, 1,500 years before Jesus was born, the Egyptians started using this myrrh for mummification, and so again, when people die, they put this another tree uh, sap that they call myrrh. They take this sap, and it was kind of an, an embalming fluid. It was a preservative that you put on dead bodies to preserve their bodies as you wrap them up. You mummify them, and so I'm sure these magicians are thinking, "Are you sure?" <laughs> With the myrrh. I said it twice. You know, I've been waiting all night to say it. I might as well say it twice, right? So you got these three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And just like you, God will stretch you when you're thinking. God will stretch you when you're following. I love that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. If they trusted their own senses, I think they would have brought different gifts. Let's go back to the story again. And uh, let me uh, now uh, offer up two reasons why God knew what he was doing. Two reasons, even though the Magi missed it, most likely. Mary and Joseph, they're still figuring things out. They knew Jesus was special. They knew the miracle of his birth. They knew what the angels said. But literally, they are still walking and learning as they're trusting God for, for their journey ahead. This had to be uh, encouraging. But also, uh, we, it's easy for us. We look back and, all oh, that makes sense. They're still walking through the original story. So let me give you two reasons why I believe God gave the prompting of these three very unique gifts. Here's the first reason. Throughout history, throughout the Bible, God is a passionate revealer to those who have eyes to see, ears to hear, of how he wants to solve your sin problem. Over the years, Old Testament and New Testament, God continually reveals his plan so that sin can be forgiven so we can have a home in heaven with him. And so, again, in these gifts, you have the symbolism of Jesus's ministry. He was going to come as king. He's going to be a priest. And he came to die so that after he lives a perfect life, after he offers a sacrificial death, he can say, I have come to offer forgiveness to you. Let me give you a couple of verses to tie this together. Look at Romans chapter 5, 8, and 11. This is why Jesus came, and these are why these gifts reveal to us. Why he came. God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners going our own way, Jesus wasn't a sinner, but he came as a substitute for sinners. We were sinners, Christ died for us, hence the myrrh. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, hence the priest, through whom we have now received. Reconciliation—that's a real churchy word. Reconciliation literally just means the restoration of a relationship. See, sin separates, and then God says forgiveness reconciles, and that is why Jesus came, and that's why these gifts were were revealing this gospel message that you see throughout the scriptures. When you take when you when you uh, unpack reconciliation a little bit, uh, take a look at First Timothy chapter two. It creates a perfect picture of jesus's ministry god is on one side all the people are on the other side there's a separation problem sin caused that and christ jesus the messiah who is called jesus is between them to bring them together by giving his life for all mankind so the first reason for these strange gifts even though they weren't Wanted, they weren't expected to give or receive. God said they were needed so that people then and tonight can, can, can better understand that Jesus came. His ministry was needed because forgiveness is now offered. Reason number one. Here's another reason. So this first reason was more spiritual, Relational. Uh, so that we can be united with God, we can be reconciled to God. The second reason is really pretty cool. It's more physical. It's more practical. And Mary and Joseph and the Magi had no idea until it happened. So let me give you a little bit more of the story. Take a look at Matthew chapter 2 verse 13. Now you remember Herod, King Herod, told these magi, go find this Jesus, Micah 5, 2, in Bethlehem. You find him, and you come back and tell me where he is so I can find him, and uh, I have a couple gifts for him too. But see, Herod was a bully. Herod was an insecure king, and he wanted to make sure Jesus never grew up. And so take a look at Matthew 2, verse 12. uh, And being warned in a dream after they gave their gifts, after they hung out with Mary and, Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph a little bit. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. See, they're still seeking God. They're still hearing from God. And God is directing them away from the one who would want to do Jesus harm. And so again, the Magi go away. Now take a look at Matthew 2 verse 13. So Herod's upset. He knows that this new baby probably is born if what the Magi said is true. So now Herod is starting to go look for Jesus. And then God speaks to Joseph and Mary. Take a look at Matthew 2 verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, they being the Magi going back east, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, rise. Take the child as mother and, boy, if you have your Bible, circle the word flee. You know, in the Greek, you know what that means? Run really fast, okay? Flee. Don't just go ahead and take your time packing up and, and, uh, and having one more, you know, uh, breakfast. Uh, no, you get up and you go. So flee to Egypt and then remain there in Egypt hundreds of miles away until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child. They left that night. Most likely, Joseph had no time to pick up his carpentry tools. Most likely, they had no time to pack their bags. They literally got up because God told them to, and they got out of Bethlehem. They flee to get away from Herod, and they left everything to be a refugee family in Egypt. Question. How are you going to go ahead and survive until it's safe to come back? They had no idea this was going to happen. Some of you, you had a moment like this this past year. You're just minding your own business. You're doing the best you can. You think life's going to just happen a certain way. And then, boom, you're, you're, your life is, has changed. And now you're, you're, you're moving fast in, a, in an entirely new direction. Some of you, you know exactly how this feels. It's interesting, though, that you have this Joseph who wants to provide for his family. You have this Mary who wants to trust God to to, to be able to to support little Jesus and then the the other kids that that come along, and they don't speak the language. He doesn't have any carpentry tools. How are you going to go ahead and rent a condo in Egypt until it's safe to go back to Israel? You know how I think? I think they sold these three very unique gifts because in Egypt, they were very commonly used. So selling the gold, selling the frankincense, selling the myrrh so they can mummify whoever they want to, and now they were able to use God's provision in a way they had no idea that there was going to be a need. Some of you, you lived that story out I know some of your stories this past year. God met your needs in a way that you never thought he would. You thought, oh, I know God is my Jehovah Jireh. God is my great provider. And I know exactly how you're going to meet my relational needs, my financial needs, my emotional needs, my spiritual needs. And then look at you. Where are you now? You are way over here, and God is still wanting to provide for you. But he's providing for you an entirely different way. When God chooses to stretch you and I, it's important to go ahead and trust him along the way. So let me wrap this up this way. So again, the Christmas story is a reminder that God is a passionate revealer of the gospel. Back then and today, that there is a sin situation. Jesus didn't just come to live. He came to live And die and say literally, now a bridge to heaven has been available, has been made for you through me. And uh, so that that is really, really, really good news. Uh, Let me ask you one last question tonight for, for Christmas Eve. So when it comes to your gifts, there are gifts you want and there are gifts you need. Yeah? How about to God? What would you give God That he needs. Here's a question, kids. Does God need anything that we have to give? The answer is no. He is sufficient. If he was focusing on his needs, he couldn't be focusing on your needs. He doesn't need anything from you. He desires a relationship with you. He made that relationship possible through what Jesus did for you. But hear me. God doesn't need any gift from you. Here's the last question. What does he want from you? Is there a gift he doesn't need, but he desires? He hopes for? And the answer is yes to that. So again, uh, when it comes to gifts that we receive and give and the Christmas story, there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let me give you, in the last few minutes, one last verse back in the book of Micah. Again, Micah is a contemporary of Isaiah. They were both uh, prophets of God uh, 720, 730 years before Jesus, and they both give prophecies about Jesus. You've been part of our church. We've been walking through Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 the last few weeks. So in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, we can read that Jesus prophetically was to be born in Bethlehem. Here's another helpful verse in the next chapter, Micah 6, verse 8. And this answers the question. If you're asking, what do I give a God who has everything? What do I give to God who doesn't need anything from me? What can I give to God that would bring delight to him? What would he want? Well, here's the answer. Uh, Micah 6, verse 8. He has showed you what is good, what he delights in, and what does the Lord require of you? And kids, this isn't just for your mom and dad. This is what, the word require, it's a better word, literally desire. What does God desire from you? What would he delight when we offer this to him? This is what he desires. Do you see the three? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. These are the gifts. Let's just remember December 25 is not the date, but it is the day that we celebrate whose birthday? Not my birthday, Jesus's birthday. It's interesting, sometimes we kind of focus on everybody else's gift giving rather than our gift giving to him. So how do you give a gift that we know according to God's word that he desires, he wants? Let me give you these three and then uh, let's light some candles and then let's celebrate Christmas Eve together with the last few Christmas songs. So here's the first one, to act justly. What does that mean? Kids and adults, acting justly means acting fairly. It's the same word. Literally what it means is act in such a way that you wish other people would act towards you. That's pretty much what it means. Do to others what you hope, what you would want them to do to you. It's interesting, Jesus said the same thing in Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Why do you, uh, Luke 6, and and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So that's how you act justly. You can do that uh, this coming year. You can do this as you wrap up this year. Tonight, you can say, God, I want to give you a gift. I'm going to go ahead, and I want to go ahead and love others the way you want me to. Not love others the way they love me back, but I'm gonna go ahead and treat them the way I would want them to treat me. That puts a smile on God's face. Here's another one, act justly, love mercy. This is a little bit different. Acting justly is do to others what you would want them to do to you. Do you know what love mercy means? Do better to them than they are doing to you. That's a little bit different. See, sadly, a lot of marriages, a lot of relationships, they, they, they get weaker when we just do to them what they did to us. Well, you're rude? I'll be ruder. I will be rude ass. I will win this game, and you'll lose the relationship. See, loving mercy means I will not respond to your rudeness by being rude back. So uh, act justly is, I will do to you what I wish you would do to me. Loving mercy is, I'm going to do to you lovingly, even when you don't love me back. Listen to me, how are you going to get that power? How are you going to get that desire? How are you going to get that? to to flow from your life, you need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what our church, at Grace Point Church, we want to help you understand how to tap into God's power so you can literally act justly and love mercy. But here's the last one. Don't miss this one, is walk humbly. Uh, Well, then Luke 6, 35, the same chapter in Jesus' teaching, he says, God is kind to the ungrateful. God is not waiting for people to be kind Before he's kind. And then he says, you be merciful, not waiting for them to be merciful. You be merciful even as your father is merciful to you. But here's the last one. Walk humbly with your God. What does that mean? How do you walk humbly with God? You listen to him. You follow him. You believe him. You don't just figure out life on your own. The opposite of walking humbly is living pridefully, thinking, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and answer to myself. I'll do what I feel. I'll do what makes sense to me. God would say, it brings me delight when you trust me even more than you trust your feelings. Walk humbly with God. And let me give you an opportunity tonight to walk humbly with God. God says, There is a separation between you and him called sin. Sin separates. God says you can't solve it because you are in sin. You make mistakes. Everybody does. So you needed someone to be your substitute that didn't make any mistakes. Jesus came without sin. Lived perfectly without sin. Died sacrificially without sin. And that is why on a cross he said, Catalesi. It is finished, paid in full. I did it for you. How do you walk humbly with God? Say thank you. Say I receive you. Say thank you for solving my biggest problem so that I can go ahead and know that I can know you now and I can live with you forever. Let me give you one last snippet of Luke chapter 6 and this one's kind of an abrupt verse. Notice what it says in the same message I'm following Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and live pridefully? That's pretty much what it says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? You're just following what you feel. Listen to me, so many people think that they're giving God a try by talking religious talk and attending religious meetings. That is not going to do you any good. God says, listen to me, more than your feelings, and why do you call me Lord when I'm not your Lord? And one of my favorite verses, last one, Matthew 11, 28, 29. This is how to walk humbly with God. Listen to Jesus. Respond to him by agreeing to do what he's asking you to do. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a lot more work. No, listen to me. Don't put this American work ethic and this drivenness into this. God says, I want your soul to find rest. How do you do that? Before you can have the peace of God, you need to have peace with God. And Jesus says, I can make that possible. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Let me guide your life. Let me have the steering wheel of your life. And what will happen? This is what God will give to you when you give your faith to him. You will find rest for your souls. You bow your heads, let's pray. Father, thank you for Christmas. Every year we're reminded that Jesus came to us at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Father, I pray that more than just a religious celebration tonight, there'd be an opening of many hearts where we would say, God, I truly want to trust you. I truly want to follow you. I want to act justly. I want to love mercy. And to do that, God, I want to walk humbly with you. I want to receive Jesus, the Christ, the one who came into my life as Lord to lead me, as Savior to forgive me. Father, I pray that you would bring bring rest to many souls tonight as we receive your greatest gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have a very special moment every year. One of the traditions at Grace Point Church is to sing by candlelight uh, Oh, holy night, and then silent night. Um, If you've been with us at Grace Point Church, and again, we're gonna have some people coming up, they're gonna light candles in just a minute. Don't do it yet. But let me light four candles first. These are the candles that uh, we have been lighting uh, for four Sundays, Advent Sundays, leading up to tonight, Christmas Eve. And uh, the first one was Hope in the Dark, if you remember. And the second one is that there's peace with God that is available. And the third is that not only is there peace with God, there's joy from God that can spill over to other people, even the grumpy ones. And then last one is God's unconditional love. See, Jesus is a gracious Savior. He knows that sinners need forgiveness But sinners keep on sinning. And you're never going to be sinless, even though sometimes by the power of the Spirit you can sin less, you're still going to need grace. Experience God's grace tonight through God's unconditional love. It was a holy night. The word holy means special. It was a holy night when Jesus came and he came for you. Reflect on these words, respond to him this Christmas, receive his gift from his heart to yours. Oh, holy night. And then uh, after all the candles are lit, uh, we're going to have you stand and sing Silent Night with us as we wrap up. Merry Christmas.
0: Des
1: So I don't cry during this next song, <laughs> but let's sing this out together.
0: Shetland night, holy night, always calm, always calm.
2: was a silent night. I'm sure Jesus cried every now and then, but he was silent because most people were too busy to slow down to grasp it. Slow down tonight. Slow down a little bit tomorrow and uh, reflect on God's greatest gift for you. So on behalf of Grace Point Church, have a wonderful Christmas. Please blow out your candles. You have some great options. Could we turn up the lights just a little bit? You have some great options the next two Sundays. You might just want to stay home and enjoy yourself, and that would be wonderful. If you want to come back tomorrow morning, we have one service. Could we turn up all the lights, please? There you go. Uh, we have one service tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Kids, adults, everybody, we're going to have a birthday party for Jesus, hear more from God's Word. And then a week from tomorrow is New Year's Day. You have great options. Stay home or come to one service at 10 a.m. Kids and adults, we're going to continue to grow together. And then two weeks from now, we're back to our normal service routine. Love you. Thanks for coming. Have a Merry Christmas.